Welcome to the Plan B Preneur Podcast. This podcast is for professionals, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to create greater income and impact. On the podcast, we explore strategies, tools, and techniques for creating multiple streams of income, launching your entrepreneurial dreams, and living a life of impact. We bring to you amazing guests and experts, as well as practical opportunities to help you achieve your entrepreneurial goals. This is the Plan B Premier Podcast, and I am your host, Demi. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to introduce you to a good friend of mine who is our guest today. Elizabeth Scotchfield is going to be our guest, and in a bit, you're going to hear a little bit more about her. But Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Demi. I'm really glad to be here, and thanks for the work that you're doing to inspire people on their entrepreneurial journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I've looked forward to having you on the podcast since forever. Okay. So I don't want to I don't want to steal your story um, or the show, but we're going to get into that in a bit um, and hear a little bit more about you. But Elizabeth, I know you as an entrepreneur and as an entrepreneurial person. And one of the questions I usually ask every guest on the show is, what is your favorite entrepreneurship quote or a quote that speaks to your entrepreneurship journey that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, thanks. Um, I The quote I ended up picking is from a book called The Artist's Way. And if you are somebody who's feeling a little stale or stagnant in your career or kind of wanting to be curious about entrepreneurship, it's a really great workbook to kind of help trigger some creativity about um, how this journey can unfold and uh, the quote is, uh, whatever you think you can do or believe you can do, begin it. Action has magic, grace, and power in it. Um, and that's from Julia Cameron, who wrote that book. And uh, Demi and I have gotten to do some work together. And one of the, my key things I always say is action leads to insight. And um, so that is one of the things I love about entrepreneurship. Thanks. I, I, I do love that one as well. What, whatever you... Um, you want to do, you're talking about begins. Um, so beginning or starting or taking action. And that's, that's just a, just go do it. Right. So that's um, a powerful one. Thanks for sharing that. So let's get to know you a bit more. Let's hear about your story. If you will tell us what's your background, what's your entrepreneur journey like? Yeah. So kind of starting a little bit about um, how I got into entrepreneurship. Is that where you want me to start? And then I think where we should I am even now. hear where, where you are today as an entrepreneur, today. and then we'll walk backwards a bit. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, I just uh, right now completed a uh, contract assignment as a freelance consultant with the Rwanda Institute for Conservation Agriculture. Um, so I was living in Rwanda for the last year and supporting them as an extension of University of Nebraska. Um, we ended up picking the title Program Design Strategist of sorts. Um, the Rwanda Institute for Conservation Agriculture is a new institution and has been around for, I guess, two or three years now. And so it's, it has an interesting blend of being a university, but being a startup at the same time. And so they were in the place where they're developing some of their core programs, and both for professional development for their faculty and staff, but also um, an emphasis on entrepreneurship at the university. So uh, Demi and I got to work on um, building out a series of recommendations for them to expand their emphasis on entrepreneurship um, and how to 
connected the ecosystem. So um, that has been my most recent entrepreneurial venture. Uh, that's what I've been up to. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's good. And when you think about yourself as an entrepreneur, what what captures it for you? What kind of entrepreneur are you in your, I know there's different kinds of entrepreneurs that people will uh, go set up a business, buy a franchise. There's people will take on projects from one end to the other. Where do you fit uh, on the spectrum? Yeah, um, I would say that I, I guess I'm in the services business of sorts and um, like the, that project-based work where you're solving compelling and interesting problems for an organization. So um, consulting in a freelance capacity is ultimately, I guess, my form of entrepreneurship at this point in my life. Yeah, no, that I love it. And, and I think that we're in the age where a lot more people are getting into the freelance consulting uh, entrepreneurship world because as we, as the world continues to change around COVID and globalization, people are not restricted to some uh, an office or a particular location. And I'm seeing a lot more people are uh, getting into that field every day, which is something that is of interest to us here at Plan Bpreneur. And we take time to talk about, especially supporting people with navigating that yeah but we'll come back to that at a later time so let's talk about how did you get into this journey um how did you uh, start identifying as an entrepreneur where did it start have you always been an entrepreneur or was there for lack of better words a fork in the road where you uh, ventured on this path yeah <clears throat> so uh that was certainly not a vision that I had for my life. I actually, um, when I was graduating high school and going into college, I thought I would be a foreign diplomat. That was the dream. And uh, that didn't come to pass at the time and kind of let that dream um, go to pasture while I explored and experimented with some other things. And what I ended up landing in is higher education. Um, I realized I really liked being part of that intellectual environment and um, a community that's focused on kind of holistic human development. And um, so I got my master's in higher education administration um, when I was about 27. And from there, um, I actually kind of toggled between working in education and working in business. Um, when I was in education, I fell into roles like program development and career coaching. Um, and then when I was in business, I was kind of building professional development programs, human resources, recruiting. Um, but what was the theme that kind of was a little bit of the beginnings of my entrepreneurial journey is that I found myself being thrown into assignments where it was like, we've never done this before and we need somebody to come in and like develop this thing from scratch. So it was a, an established organization, but they needed somebody to come in and do the research and kind of understand the landscape in order to develop a new program or service or um, so that kind of is just something that was really natural for me. And, um, I found out later when some, I was telling somebody this, they were like, oh, that means you're an entrepreneur. And I didn't know that term before. And, um, so, uh, basically it means to be entrepreneurial within an established organization where you are the one who's kind of often launching and starting new initiatives. Um, so I really enjoyed that type of work. Um, but I got to a place where I realized the range of things that I'm interested in doesn't neatly fit into a job description. And I actually feel like to, to do the diversity of things that I really enjoy doing, I actually would like to kind of free myself of a job description and actually figure out how I can do more project-based work 
where I'm possibly identifying a few different streams of income and allowing myself to be this kind of like diverse, creative, curious person and not kind of locked into the requirements of like one job description in some ways is what led me to start getting curious about entrepreneurship. Um, I think I was uh, intimidated because I didn't know a lot about the business side of things. I didn't have a background in business. I had kind of avoided business in a lot of ways in my career. I've always been drawn to more like education and nonprofit and impact driven work. And I thought that the business world was kind of evil <laughs> when I was in my twenties. And um, I, it's been interesting for me to, then I kind of fell into this space of social entrepreneurship though. And like, how can you do business and do good through business? Um, I worked for a for-profit healthcare company um, for a period of time. I worked for a social, or I was on a nonprofit board for a social enterprise that was focused on food security. And they had like a food truck that would go into the community. And um, so I found myself kind of falling into these social enterprise types of projects and initiatives. Um, so uh, I realized maybe it's time for me to like get a stronger business acumen. It'll grow my confidence in this entrepreneurial journey that I'm on. And so I ended up signing up to take a cer certificate program at Stanford University um, in corporate innovation is what it was titled. But essentially, it's a set of skills that they're hoping to give people who are inside of established organizations to be entrepreneurial um, related to you know strategy, finance, a lot of it was around design thinking, which um, I kind of had been curious about for a while, which is a framework for problem solving and innovation. And um, that really gave me a lot of the confidence I think that I needed. I had the interest, but I wanted to develop a little bit more confidence in the business acumen side of things. And also a network of international colleagues. The program itself was remote. It was online and um, designed for working professionals and um, was make, trying to make Stanford education accessible to people who couldn't physically come to Palo Alto or is that where it is? Anyways, into California. And um, so there were people from all over the globe who were in this program. And that really kind of helped me revisit that dream of like always wanting to be part of an international community and um connected to other cultures. And so anyways, that Stanford program was kind of the, the last piece of the puzzle that gave me the confidence to kind of launch on this journey. And I identified that I wanted to do work in community building and coaching and mentoring. I wanted to do work in facilitation and teaching. And I wanted to do work in, um, what was the last piece? Oh, in consulting and advising. And I wanted to identify projects that fit in those different buckets and see if I could pull together a kind of um, stream of income from a variety of things. And so I left my job at the time I was working at an organization called Code Fellows, which was an immersive software development training program in Seattle, Washington, and um, basically started reaching out to people that I respected and was like, these are the things I'm interested in doing. Do you know of anybody who has you know, project work or needs in these areas. I had already started doing some workshops and leadership development for um, Sound Transit, which was basically like their transit system. And so I do think it's good to get some projects going on the side when you're like still have a full-time job to kind of get that momentum going and build your confidence. And um, so I had, you know, one or two contracts already, but, um, and you know, the, the range of projects that I kind of took on from there, some of them were pro bono. Um, some of them were paid. I was kind of willing to take what I needed to in order to 
um, again, build that portfolio and learn the lessons that I needed to learn and also clarify and specify where was the fit between my skills and interests and what, you know, kind of the market needed. I'll stop there. No, no, that's good. And um, these are parts of the story I haven't really heard before, but I did have a sense of your sort of progression, but it's also interesting to hear how you did transition from this entrepreneurship space to sort of social entrepreneurship and then to freelance consulting entrepreneurship and all that, you know, and as you were speaking about entrepreneurship, it was interesting for me as well, because I think for most people listening, one of the things, or one of, perhaps one of the spaces where you start to flex your entrepreneurship muscles is within a context or like if you wanted to go full entrepreneur or, or maybe start an entrepreneurship venture for yourself, then you can start some of that. And one of the things I'm taking away from that is that's also if you can lead entrepreneurship projects as an entrepreneur within within other contexts, that helps you also to uh, get a better sense and a grasp. And I, and I And I wanted to just really just pin that point there, right? Because sometimes people want to jump off and go do entrepreneurship from scratch. But if you've never done it in some shape or form, like now you are talking about, that can be daunting, right? And so, no, so just going to what you started to say about um, finding out what you cared about, can you talk a bit more to how did you find out what you cared about and then start navigating how that met the needs of the market or the intersection between what you cared about and what people actually needed? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, you know, a fair amount of trial and error, certainly. And um, what's my answer to that? Um, And I think it's also interesting based upon where you are, right? So I was in Nashville initially, and it was like healthcare is the biggest industry there. And so I found myself navigating, you know, opportunities a lot in the healthcare space. And so um, that is kind of how I ended up, you know, shaping and branding myself. And so when I moved to Seattle, the, you know, obviously the industry that is most popular and, um, uh, you know, most prominent there is tech. And um, the things that I discovered in that market is that, you know, software engineers, uh, are often promoted into management positions, but with little to no preparation for that, which is true in most industries. But I think there's an extra layer of challenge there because people who are software engineers are um, often very introverted, are not necessarily um, as wired, I think, for that type of um, position of kind of caring and developing the talents and gifts of other humans. And so um, additionally, tech companies often grow really quickly. And then they, they find themselves promoting these people into these positions. And then, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, I just like am wildly unqualified or unequipped to kind of take on these types of responsibilities. So um, one of the areas that I ended up kind of finding was a niche was leadership development within tech to help managers to kind of catch up with what are the key um, skills or capabilities that you need to have in order to be effective. And, you know, tech companies were, would, 
find this like rapid growth. And then all of a sudden they hit these retention issues because their managers were not really very well equipped for um, that level of responsibility. And, um, you know, in the tech industry also, people know their skill set is highly desirable. So they're willing to kind of like take pack up and run whenever, you know, the, the going gets rough sometimes because there's probably going to be a, a better paycheck and, and promise of maybe either more compelling software that they could work in or a manager might have um, a better kind of approach to supporting them in their career development. So, you know, that's an example of where I was like, this is the, the, the world that I'm in. And so this is where the niche is that I can kind of like match my passion and interests, which is like coaching and leadership development um, and the needs of this kind of dynamic. Um, meanwhile, uh, as I kind of navigated my next steps, I decided to leave Seattle during COVID as a lot of people reevaluated a variety of decisions in their lives, like careers and locations and relationships. Um, I was in that position too. I'd been in Seattle for about four years and was trying to navigate what was next. Um, and actually the next project ended up kind of finding me as much as I found it. But um, that's where I think if you're naturally following your curiosities, like the things will like that. I, one of my kind of mantras as somebody who can be sometimes too initiative oriented is like that, what you are seeking is also seeking you. And um, so I ended up stumbling into my next project, which is the Rwanda Institute of Conservation Agriculture. But um, the opportunity to do leadership development on an international scale or international level um, was a, a really interesting kind of compelling opportunity for a new institution. You know, I had left higher education because I felt like it was resistant to change and not always the best at like staying with the times and, and making sure that what they're producing is matching the needs of the market and that they are kind of contributing to the, the um, economic development of the community within which they're operating. And that's what had led me to get into vocational education. Cause I was like, they can be much more responsive to the needs of their communities. Um, and so the opportunity to work with an entrepreneurial university, which there really aren't that many entrepreneurial universities in the U.S., but there are on an international level. And so there's actually a number of new universities in Rwanda that are getting off the ground and trying to learn the lessons from how universities have been structured traditionally that actually doesn't encourage innovation and doesn't necessarily um, align with the needs of the market. And so the opportunity to bring my, both my background and um, higher education leadership development and also entrepreneurship was like such a unique opportunity to combine the variety of things that I'd done that I didn't even really, I didn't seek it out. It kind of found me. So I, I think there is also a real lesson in like being true and authentic to yourself and make time for things that you, you know, that genuinely light you up, genuinely, you know, ignite your curiosity. Sometimes those things will be paid. Sometimes those things will be unpaid, but you'll, you'll be surprised by the ways in which opportunities come along that combine things that you wouldn't have otherwise imagined kind of naturally coming together. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's a little bit of kind of my, sometimes it happens deliberately. Sometimes it happens kind of by accident in terms of where you find that product market fit between your interests and skills and capacities and what is needed. Interesting. No, that's good because you, you, you talked about, sort of two different examples now one was the tech companies in, in seattle and the other one was this international 
um, leadership development, higher education, do you find yourself having to reevaluate what are you interested in and what's needed on the ground from project to project? Or do you consider yourself having a sort of fixed discipline or a fixed focus on what you want to do and then just going to the need? Or do you find that you have to reinvent or pivot, um, yeah, fairly occasionally? Yeah, I hear, I think the, the bigger question, this is a good for any entrepreneur is like, how do you balance being anchored in something while also being flexible to what you're learning about the needs of the market and kind of what your clients are kind of right. Like needs change and dynamic, you know, like environmental things change, like what companies needed before COVID is different. Now there's like, Oh, how do we manage a remote workforce? Right? Like there's no way for somebody professionally to be like, I'm going to become an expert in like managing. I mean, there are people who have become experts in managing remote workforces and like building and creating culture because we were already moving in that direction. But you just never know how the market dynamics are going to be shifting according to, you know, changing circumstances. So for me, in some ways, I guess there are some anchors. Um, I think my values are my anchors and knowing my strengths are my anchors. Um, and that was something that I'd shared with Demi that I thought was an important thing for any entrepreneur to really kind of take time to do that introspection so that they do have that sense of like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be chasing the market and losing myself and losing kind of the essence of who I am because so much of feel like of what Demi is sharing through this podcast and what's true for me is that entrepreneurship was the path for me to be most authentic. That was kind of like a, a real driving force for me and authenticity is one of my highest values. And I found myself a lot of times when I was in an existing organization, I, if I had some kind of like ethical or like kind of integrity challenge with like not agreeing with what the leadership was choosing to do. It was really hard for me to be on board and like follow that path and be the one who was kind of like driving that agenda because I have this kind of like commitment to authenticity and integrity. And I was like, maybe for me to be working for myself is actually a better fit for that. So I don't have to kind of feel this kind of internal conflict so much, so regularly, but um, so my values are, you know, authenticity, freedom, connection, um, curiosity, growth, um, and contribution are some of my top values. And so those are going to be true no matter what project I take on. And then um, I've done a lot of work with different personality tests. It's like kind of the area where I'm like a big nerd. Um, and Demi and I have talked about a number of personality tests, but um, a strengths finder, I think, is a really strong one. Um, and so my strengths really also align with entrepreneurship. There's, I have an achiever as one of mine. So I'm very self-motivated and I don't necessarily need somebody else setting goals for me in order for me to kind of like get up out of bed and like, you know, do whatever I need to do for the day. So that serves me really well as an entrepreneur. I'm also an activator, which means that I'm that person who has the energy to initiate and get things off the ground. And I also don't need kind of like motivation or, um, other people to kind of like start things. I'm the one who usually is in the, in the initiator and then other people are kind of following along. And I also have that vision for what other people can't necessarily see. So I'm going to bring that to whatever project that I'm working on as well. Ideation is one of my strengths. So um, I really like that phase of a beginning of a project or beginning of a, <clears throat> a development cycle where you're kind of like brainstorming and doing it in a collaborative fashion. Um, and connectedness is also one of my strengths. And so one of my, <clears throat> I think another thing that's kind of unique about me is 
my network is so much of what um, brings me to life and helps me um, stay energized and helps me have fresh ideas and stay current with things. You know, other people like to read. I like kind of staying in touch with these people who are in a, a variety of disciplines and across a variety of cultures to kind of, what are you learning? What's, what are you finding in your work? And like, how can I support you? And um, so I love kind of seeing the themes and um, intersections between, you know, so I, I like kind of straddling education and business and um, kind of being at the intersections of things and building those bridges between things. So those are things that I know that I will bring to any project. And I also, the things that I, I am consistently passionate about, I think is just human development more generally. And so if it's a program I'm building, I want to make sure it's kind of focused on kind of helping people grow and develop personally or professionally. Um, if it's a community building event, I want people to feel a sense of connection and that really aligns with my values. Um, if I'm doing a coaching, you know, engagement with somebody or even managing a client relationship, individualization is one of my strengths. And so I really want to kind of get to know what motivates them and really kind of try and figure out how to relate and connect to them. Um, in a way that they feel seen and known and um, that I'm kind of really catering my kind of interaction with them to kind of like what really resonates for them. So I think that it's good to know, you know, what is, what are your anchors? And those are some of my anchors personally. And then I think, you know, within the market dynamics, there's flexibility to be like, okay, well, the tech industry needs this higher education needs this, you know, the healthcare industry needs this. So I think there's room to be flexible or this community or city, you know, this is the the gap in the market Um, or this is what kind of is the rising trend in this. And it also allows me to kind of be versatile um, and uh, not get bored, you know, with my work as well. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what I would say. I like the way that you answered the question actually, because we're talking about authenticity. We're talking about authentic self-expression and sort of like your values. And I like the way that you brought in values and strengths to say, have your anchors, which are your values and your strengths. And then regardless of what you do, be able to bring that to the table or be able to bring that to the conversation. I think it's really powerful. Um, and and it's probably a north star because you know as I start thinking about this, then if you go that way, then things such as fulfillment with what you're doing right becomes a tick box. The fact that you would have fun and joy and like you will feel one and all with what you're doing, it's easier to tick that box when you're coming from a place where this is grounded in your values, is grounded in those anchors of who am I, what do I care about, and what are my values, and what are my strengths, right? And you talk about this introspective work that you had to do. And I'm curious, especially for people who are trying to make this transition, right? How do you do the introspective work? How do you do it? But also, how do people do this introspective work and select those anchors? Because, you know, sometimes people have come from a place where they just want to do something to to make money or to keep body, body and soul together or to just explore and to just, okay, I don't know where this takes me. But if you're trying to get closer to that place of these are my values, these are my strengths, these are my anchors, how do you do that practically um, introspection and getting to that point? 
Yeah. I mean, I think there's a variety of different like methods to exploring that for yourself and support systems that you can kind of align yourself with. Um, as I mentioned, that book, The Artist's Way is actually probably a really powerful, it's like a workbook. And each day there's some kind of like reading and then some kind of exercise. It might be a journaling exercise. Um, but it's, it's a structured way to kind of ask some thoughtful questions that help you really understand like, what are my motivators? And you know, what gets me out of bed in, in the morning. And, you know, I think that in the culture that we live in, you know, it's, I've been in Rwanda and I'm back in the U S now. And, um, I, one of the things I was dreading about coming back to the U S is that I just feel like it's a culture of busyness and the, the, <laughs> there's not necessarily a culture of introspection in the U S or really, I think anywhere in the world. Um, but I, I know that it feels countercultural to kind of slow down in order to be able to go faster um, or even slow down in order to probably have something that has more staying power. You know, I think when we take that time to really kind of like know ourselves and our motivations and, you know, what our values are, then we're going to make a better choice about either the products we develop, the services we're offering. Um, and I think there will be more desire for it because the reality, the other thing I've really learned from working in consulting is I could be the smartest person in the room. I could be the person who has like the best solutions, but the reality is people choose to work with people that they like and that they feel they can trust. And the, the way that people feel that is if you're being genuine and real and like also showing like a genuine care for their success and their, um, yeah, like, you know, whatever it is, a commitment to their goals. And so um, I I guess I sometimes think I should be spending time like studying like whatever the new business technique is or like being aware of the latest trends and like HR culture. And sometimes I end up realizing like, actually, it's equally as valuable for me to be doing my morning journaling exercise for like, an hour so that I show up in a way that I'm like present and engaged and not distracted and that that person feels like they have my undivided attention and that I am, you know, deliberately asking the right questions and not coming from a place of anxiety or even like ego where it's like, well, great, I'm coming and I have all these answers and I'm like the smartest person in the room. But I, I, I actually think that's a, 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 a misnomer, like that that's actually like what it means to be a consultant is like, be the smartest person in the room. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like I got a little off track there, <laughs> but Oh, how can people slow down? The other thing I think is just to get a coach who will hold space for you to like sit with these questions. They usually have these types of exercises like values exercises, or will suggest that you do the strengths finder test or, you know, another personality test and be willing to have that processing conversation with you where you can kind of integrate. So, you know, some people, are, are self-motivated and comfortable with doing kind of that introspective work on their own. Some people prefer need that kind of motivation of doing it one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are also, are also like community spaces where you could do it. Um, I know like certain church communities are starting to like offer things about the Enneagram if you want to like be part of a small group or things like that. But um, yeah, I think everybody has to find out their own way that feels comfortable for them to hold that space, whether that's something that they need to do solo or in community. You know, that's good. That's good. So 
what I love about this is slow down in order to move faster, you know? And I was just thinking about that because it seats so well. Number one, with this time of the year, right? Just as people are preparing to go into a new year, there's this tradition of people think um, new year resolutions and and all that stuff. But I think um, this is even more powerful than just having a new year resolution to say, you want to slow down a bit to reconsider and think about the things where um, you should really care about or the things that um, you really want to put your yourself into and see how that can impact the work that you do and what you create. And you did share practically around how journaling or the that process of having a coach as well doing this work with somebody might be of value so this are this is really solid i think for anybody who's trying to make this transition and trying to navigate um into a more uh for lack of better words authentic entrepreneurial uh journey right being an authentic entrepreneur that drives from the values and the strengths to really be able to do that work of introspection whether as an individual or with somebody else supporting them and then being able to direct their energies towards things they care about and making a difference in the world. Yeah, no, I do appreciate you using your story to um, paint this narrative so vividly to, to, to us. And as we wind this down, as we sort of um, wind down the conversation, I'm curious to know, as you have gone through, and this is one question you usually ask people a lot, uh, people on the podcast as well, as you go through your day-to-day of being an entrepreneur and um, just going from one challenge to the other, putting out one fire to the other, what are some of the things that keep you sane or that keep you going? What are the practices or the rituals for you? Or Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think you know, self-care for entrepreneurs is really important. I'm glad you have that as part of your um, podcast. And... Um, so I, in the spirit of the personality test, I also, my Myers-Briggs is, uh, an ENFP, which maybe means nothing to some people, but, um, I am somebody who both like craves novelty, but has also realized that like routines are really something that's very important for me to stay grounded. And so, um, for me, those kind of daily routines of, of getting up and doing my kind of meditation and journaling, um, one of the the practices from the artist way is to do morning pages and encourages you to do like three pages of stream of consciousness just to kind of get out the clutter in your brains. Um, so I think really kind of starting my day where I kind of center and ground myself and declutter my, my mind um, has been one of the greatest practices. And also I think, you know, daily walks for me, some of my best thoughts and my best ideas, or even my ability to kind of synthesize or kind of like get to better solutions. I get stuck sometimes I'm just sitting in front of a computer and moving my body personally is something that really um, helps me process stress, but also access kind of better creative solutions. Love it. Brilliant stuff. The walks, I know you for that one. So that's a good <laughs> suggestion as well to, to get the energy going. No, this has been good and I think very insightful. Uh, but also very a lot to 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 think about at that level and to uh, for anybody to explore or or to use this to navigate their journey. So 
um, thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing so graciously and reflecting through with your own experience as well. I want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, edition of the podcast. And I do share your feedback or any questions or comments you may have with us. Check us out or check the rest of the episodes out at planbpreneur.com. And we will be on your way again with the next edition of the podcast. Uh, Bye for now. Thank you.